0: Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. It's a Thursday. We're supposed to get some snow. We got a real cool guest on the other side of our screen. I think he's sitting in his car. This is the best way to do these goddamn things. The best way.
1: (laughs) Well, I will make a correction. The best way would have been our original plan. Um, Well, I find second best way. We were supposed to get in our car and take a trip about an hour to an hour and 15 minutes north of the city to go visit our guest Ryan on his farm um, because that would have been really cool. And I love getting out I of the city. Farms. I love farms. I love farm animals. I love all the farm things. Um, but because as Mark said, we are supposed to get some snow, it would have just been irresponsible parenting for
0: us to both leave the city when there's a possible snowstorm coming. You know what the funny thing is? It's probably not going to be any big amounts of it's snow. It's not. It right? never is. <laughs> it, it, they always make it out to sound like you're going to get a fucking blizzard and then it's just like normal snow. Like you know when I was a kid, this was just a normal snowfall. Just a normal just snowfall. Just a normal fucking snowfall. Yep.
1: Um, I know and Ryan who lives up north is probably like rolling his eyes at us city (laughs) people like you guys actually like didn't come here because of snow yes we did that well hey everyone (laughs) it's Amanda and we're going to introduce yeah we're trying to be we're going to introduce Ryan now so he is a massage therapist and certified personal trainer who as I said lives uh, north of Toronto and um, he's a mobile therapist hence why he's in his car Um, but he's got some stories to tell and I think the reason that him and Mark's Connected is because he's also started, um, I want to use the word advocacy, but, you know, support group maybe. He started um, trying to get together with other male therapists because male massage therapists have a little bit of a different um, experience than us female therapists in the profession. And um, I mean, I guess this goes for any other genders as well. But for male therapists, they've got a unique experience and Ryan decided to do something about it. So we're going to talk about it. Welcome and thanks for hanging out with us this morning, Ryan.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me. Looking forward to this.
1: Well, let's start out with a little bit of a backstory on you. So how long you've been a massage therapist, how you got into this profession and yeah, anything else that you think will give us an idea of who you are and why we're talking to you in your car today. Sure.
2: Well, yeah, kind of ironic that you said backstory because uh, I guess the story did begin with my back, like literally. So when I graduated high school or near the end of high school, I'm from the States. I'm from Washington State. Hmm. And so for... There there was a program, I think it was called Running Start. It's like 12 years ago now or even longer. So I'm kind of forgetting exactly what it was called. But uh, it was basically where you could go to a community or technical college for the last couple of years of high school. So mm-hmm. you could can, can continue to do your high school credits and that. But you could get into some kind of specialized program like, you know, they had trades and so on and so on. And they had a uh, one-year personal training certification nice. program. Yep. So I went right into that. Um, because I've always been pretty physically active and I love, you know, learning about the human body and so on. And uh I got into that and that's the route I was going career-wise and so on. I started um doing personal training, uh launched a boot camp with a friend in a in a park and we started for free, um, just to just for fun. We called it fit happens, you know, like shit happens, fit happens.
0: <laughs> I like that.
2: And yeah, it was it was great. Um, but I was riding a motorcycle at the time. Um, I had an old Suzuki. And a lady ran a stop sign on me and I ended up dumping the bike into the other lane and and kind of rolling off the bike. Fortunately, I didn't hit her vehicle. I was able to avoid that. Uh, But I ended up having like some significant back problems. And um, at the time in the States, I didn't have health care insurance and I didn't have insurance for my uh, bike either. Legally, you don't have to have uh, insurance for motorcycles Mm -hmm. out there. And I was young and stupid and, you know, taking risks and ended up injured. Um and so I was in a lot of pain for a while. I couldn't do what I uh was used to being able to do and I ended up being very sedentary and uh you know it, it, I wasn't exactly sure what was going on with my back. I later found out like through other assessments and so on that I I ended up having instability in the lumbar spine but um you know it wasn't really clear what the acute damage was because I didn't seek care um in due time. Uh, and then, so I ended up just learning as much as I possibly could about rehab. Um, I had, I'd gone and seen a whole bunch of alternative practitioners, chiropractic, massage therapists, osteopaths, acupuncture, uh, you name it. And some of it helped, but, um, really couldn't get to the root of, of how to stay out of pain, yeah. um, permanently or be like on an ongoing basis, um, until I started to just, invest a lot more time in learning about how to protect the spine and different movements and how to, how to move in a rehabilitative way. And that helped significantly. And then I, I ended up moving to Canada because, um, my then girlfriend, now my wife, uh, is from out here and we met in Alberta, actually. Um, she teaches riding lessons and my cousin had a, uh, big 40th birthday bash where we ended up going to a ranch for like a week straight and just partied, had a good time. And I met her there and uh, we kept in touch for a while. She ended up coming out West and then um, uh, we moved to Ontario. It was supposed to be a short move while she finished school and then we're going to come back out West, but uh, we ended up having kids and, you know, her family was out here. So I ended up settling. Um, And at that point, like as a young dad, I'm like, well, I better smarten up and get into a career that, you know, Uh, allows me to support my family uh, and something that i enjoy and and you know can find purpose in and so uh at the time i was i was doing some odd jobs and some welding and this and that so i ended up enrolling in in school for massage therapy and did that for you know it's a couple years to get uh, certified and uh yeah so start out with that absolutely loving it um it was quite a change like just in terms of quality of life because i was really struggling like as a young dad and i was working for basically minimum wage at that point i was working at a mechanic shop and i'd stopped doing like the welding i was doing like welding and um, trailer and other steel fabrication i started working in a mechanic shop and you know busting ass you know uh like 10, 10 to 12 hour days mm-hmm. six days a week etc and uh not for great pay and then it was like in the winter, when people are coming in mostly for tire changes and stuff like that, and it was just like, oh man, I could use a change. And then finally, I took my Oskis and um, MCQ and, and got my license. And then, my first job as an RMT was at a spa, um, Hockley Valley Resort. Mm-hmm. So, to go from you know making minimum wage and in like harsh working conditions to all of a sudden working in a spa, getting you know big tips and Uh, having access to the pool and everything else and, It's like, okay, life's getting good now.
1: Your life did a complete 180 there. Can I just say that I find it really interesting? I mean, the whole story is really interesting. I've got a few questions, but I was just, I had to throw a comment in here. I find it really interesting that you as an American dude, um, we were just watching a TV show the other night that said like American guys um, invent Canadian girlfriends when when they're actually single, but you had a legit (laughs) Canadian girlfriend and now look at you. You're living here in Canada and doing some pretty Canadian <laughs> it's a modern things. Modern family, yeah. yeah I'm she thinking.
2: imported me.
0: <laughs> I got to ask you a quick question though. What kind of Suzuki were you riding at the time?
1: I knew that's oh, what geez, you were going to ask. I can't remember it.
2: the model. It was an eighty-something. I think it was an eighty-nine. It wasn't a big bike. It was like a four-fifty or five-fifty. I can't remember. Gotcha. It gotcha. was something cheap that like needed a few repairs. That I just got off of Craigslist at the time. I was like, oh, this is a cool bike. Like yeah. I'm not a bike aficionado by any means but I liked working on vehicles and I got that bike just to get around town. I think I paid like seven or 800 bucks for it.
0: Yeah. 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 Were you wearing gear when you went down?
2: I was wearing a helmet and like I had a thick, um, jacket. I don't think it was like a made for riding, but it had like, uh, I don't even know what was made of, but it was like a pretty thick fabric. Yeah. 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 So I was, I was relatively protected, but like I said, I was young and stupid and, and could have taken better, better measures for sure. And, you know, you. I think you ride, yeah, yeah, obviously.
0: Yeah, I, I'm a squid, man. I typically ride no gear, like I helmet, gloves, boots. Uh, I, I'm, I'm like, I love the summer days in a t-shirt. Can but... you
1: guys hear my eyes rolling? It's like annoying. <laughs> yeah, they're as scratchy. Shit. Yeah, annoying yeah, as hell. Yeah. But um, yeah, when you were telling that yeah. story, I mean, Mark has gone down on his bike more than once for. I mean, the same kind of thing where it was not his fault. Else. You're always somebody cuts you off fucking and, somebody else. Yeah, yeah. And he's yeah, gone you just down. don't get
2: seen on bikes. Yeah. Yeah, scary. and the injury
1: yeah. that you're talking about, I mean, he's got he's had
0: a shoulder injury, an shoulder, elbow injury, yeah. back injury like he's done all the things. Well, because there's only two types of riders, ones that uh, have gone down and ones that haven't gone down yet. Yeah, uh, true. Uh, say, well, at least I'm in the gone down category, right? Yeah, I don't know.
1: Do you still ride? Hopefully, Ryan? Hopefully it's like that's...
2: behind you now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> Do you still ride, Ryan? or Are you done with that?
2: No, I don't ride anymore. Uh, not that I wouldn't but I would be a lot more careful, probably just stick to country roads on sunny days. Yeah. You know, if I, if I were to buy another bike in the future or just stick with off roading, um, like when I got my street bike, it was again, just to kind of get around Cause I liked riding, but before that I would, I would mostly just do trail stuff. I had, um, Yeah, dirt bikes
1: and that. Sweet. I want to ask you a question about your decision to go into massage. So, obviously, as you said, the story starts, your backstory starts with your back. So, you had done all different forms of therapy. Like you said, you did osteo, you did massage, you did chiro, you did acupuncture, you learned um, therapeutic exercise approaches that helped you to strengthen and and get better. When you were deciding what to go back to school for, what was it about massage? Like, did you find the massage helped you with your rehabilitation or was it more because this seemed a little more attainable because it was shorter and
2: more so the latter plus another reason. So basically I didn't really have any interest in being a massage therapist, ironically. Um, but I saw it as a way to like lead into other things. Like it was the shortest route to making a slightly better income. Mm -hmm. And I needed that at the time to support my family. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I did have an absolute passion for the human body. And then when I realized that, you know, people could use their insurance benefits for massage therapy and also under the scope of massage therapy was remedial exercise, I thought I was just going to take it in the direction of training still, plus having that under my belt. And when I looked at the course outline for those two years, I just saw how thorough the anatomy was. I was like, okay, that's amazing. Like there's no better way to learn anatomy for physical training than to like, get your hands on somebody in terms of doing the palpation and learning all the uh anatomy that the courses had to offer so that was my trajectory with it at the time i later ended up falling falling in love with the actual manual therapy as well um and realizing that it really does have its own application uh but yeah originally it was just like get the certification get Get a slightly better job, and then continue on with like the the training exercise side of things, and uh, learn as much as possible in the in the process.
0: When you decide you're going to do massage, what do your family and friends think about this? You seem like a manly, manly, manly dude, right? I'm looking at you. My next question scruffy. actually had the Is it the beard? "manly <laughs> man." Yeah, <laughs> it's it's the beard. It's I've seen your videos with your training. I've seen you. I've seen you try to balance like three forty five pound plates on your back while you're trying to get yourself into a oh, plate. You watch this. Yeah, stuff, yeah, while you're trying to get yourself into a plank position you're probably out there fucking cutting down trees and shit like you seem <laughs> like a dude's dude like do, do your friends and family are like massage really bro or, or are they all like yeah go for it
2: oh uh, it's a bit of both right depending on who i'm talking to like you can't escape the bad jokes that, that people make in massage in general and let alone being a dude yeah. you know like we've all heard the same jokes again and again and whatever you you know you brush it off you're used to whatever um and some people just don't understand like the application of it right like mm-hmm. they might associate massage with just like spa type thing and you know relax have a good time enjoy your date sort of thing and don't realize that it goes far beyond that as far as a medical profession and then, of course, there's people that do realize that. So it really just does depends on who I'm talking to. Mm.
1: Yeah. And as, as you said, though, you got into it because of your love for anatomy and the human body. And yep. you wanted to um, use it with your training and use it for rehabilitative really purposes. Like It is a great combination. So my question is, how the hell did you end up in a spa, in a spa as yeah. your first job? I would have seen you going straight into rehab. Or was that because that's where the money was?
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, a little bit of both. So it was just I was living at the time um near Orangeville, uh just south in in Caledon there. And we were living off grid. Like that's kind of where our farming journey started. We were renting at the time, but we were we were totally off-grid in a converted grain silo house. We had access to land. And um my little one was uh I think about two at the time, you know. Um and so it was just the closest place that was hiring. I I just went on indeed as soon as I got my license in our or a few, and just to see what jobs were out there. And, uh, they were like 20 minutes away. And then I went up and just, it was just such a beautiful spot. I don't know if you guys have been to Hockley Valley resort, but, uh, it was just really nice. And, uh, I decided to apply and they gave me the job pretty much on the spot. they called me back like a day later after the interview went really well. And I was like, okay, I guess this is what I'm doing next.
1: So I've never been to that spa. I've been to Scandinav Spa. I've been to Elmwood Spa. I've been to St. Anne Spa. So I've been to, like, are these similar type of, places as I the one mention, you're talking yeah. about
2: uh, i haven't been to those other ones but it's probably similar like they don't have the contrast therapy that i think that some of the places that you mentioned do like the hot and cold yeah which i love by the way but um yeah it was it was more just uh they have like a ski resort on there although being from the west coast i can't say that it's much of a ski hill by any means
1: <laughs> we're from ontario okay that's the ski resort <laughs>
2: Yeah, sure. It's a a little hill with a chairlift. (laughs) It's great like when you're learning or if you want to like, you know, they had a little rail like and jump, you know, for if you wanted to do that. But it was like they actually had it out, out of commission at the time when I was out there. So it really wasn't much. But yeah, if you're just learning it, it was cool, I guess.
1: Well, the reason I asked if it was like those spas is I'm now like imagining um you know, more of like this high end type of place mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. you go for pampering. I, I don't know if that was the word you used before, but it's more like a, a luxury, luxury thing. Yeah. It's something you do you know, maybe with your partner or like with your girlfriends, like let's go for yeah. a spa day. Is that the vibe that this place had, Ryan?
2: Yeah, absolutely. It was. Yeah. And then they had estheticians and everything else too okay. in the
1: spa. So now that we've set that scene, then I want to slightly then we can, we can come back to other stuff but I want to slightly transition to how you and Mark started talking in the first place, which is being a male therapist. Talk to me about your experience as a male therapist at a spa. Because let me tell you, when I went to the Elmwood Spa with my girlfriends, now this was like over a decade ago. um, Actually, I think it was, they brought me there as like a congratulations for finishing massage school. So I wasn't a therapist yet. So this was like more like 15 years ago. Mm. And we went to the spa and I have no I, or I, at the time I like didn't definitely didn't think I had any issues, whether I saw a male therapist, a female therapist, like I didn't request anything special. And so when I showed up at the spa, my therapist was a male therapist. I didn't think anything of it didn't bother me, but I was there with, uh, two or three other girlfriends and one of them also had a male therapist. And when we came out after the treatments, um, I didn't like the treatment for a whole other reason, nothing to do with the well, gender the of the reason? therapist, uh, because he didn't listen. What I said went in one ear and like directly <laughs> out the other. He was just terrible, like
0: terrible. Because he's like, I'm never seeing this broad yeah, again. He had no... Fuck it, I'm going to do what I want.
1: I basically went in and told him, I've been studying for OSCEs. My my thoracic spine, like my mid-back is just on fire. Oh, you wanted therapy. That I, But I just wanted him to focus Brrr. there. And then he proceeded to massage my hamstrings for 30 minutes. And I'm like, why is this happening? happening? happening like Mm. i just want you to actually address my back anyway but when we came out the other friend who had a male therapist said to me like yeah he was okay i just didn't feel comfortable Mm. because i was expecting a woman was that her her mentality was at a spa it's gonna be a female
0: is she someone that does massage no she has
1: no 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 so she doesn't
0: have much experience she has
1: not much experience at all so she didn't think to like ask if it was a male or female therapist. I knew there was a chance I'd get a male or female. She didn't really consider that. that... She assumed it would be a woman. The man comes out. She didn't want to make a stink. So she was just like, okay, like he's a professional. I'll go. And she even said he was good at what he did. It's like uh,
0: George from Seinfeld.
1: Yeah, like he he was good at what he did. But she said, I just like really wish that it was a female therapist, I would have relaxed more. Gotcha. And so I wanted to ask Ryan about his experience because I assume there would be women like her coming in and not expecting, you know, the dude with the beard. Do
0: you think, before Ryan answers, do you think that that therapist sensed that the client on the table was uncomfortable
1: i have no way of knowing that i feel feel like you and ryan can answer that question better because you're the men treating the people that potentially feel uncomfortable so you guys especially ryan who's worked in a spa can probably tell us could you tell
0: i've never really gotten that vibe off of female clients i've never had that vibe and when i was practicing hardcore like i would always have repeat clientele like these these people were just constantly coming in so I I don't think I was wrong in my assumption that there was no issue there was no you know discomfort or anything like that especially because it was just like repeat 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 but I've never had the scenario where oh I'm I'm sensing that this person is really uncomfortable okay well I want to hear from Ryan
2: yeah well uh that kind of is somewhat related to why I started that group that we were um talking about at the beginning here for male rmts because over time i've really realized that um i mean for male and female rmts this is the case but especially for males i think in a different way is that communication is just so freaking important you know like to and and in life right like the better communicators that we are the so many issues can be either prevented or resolved just by communicating better with each other Uh, communicating expectations communicating like how we're feeling what we're thinking And it can be difficult for a lot of people to just articulate themselves in a way that is, you know, effective um, and not filled with fluff or could be misinterpreted and all that kind of stuff. So I definitely have experienced like females that are uncomfortable, and it's not necessarily like they're uncomfortable because they meet me and they feel uncomfortable in my presence. It's usually like prior to that, right? Like they call, uh, like I've worked at other clinics, or or you know, when I've I've had people call me directly, and that they just find out I'm a male even without talking to me, like talking to the front desk of a clinic or a spa or whatever, and then they don't want to book for that reason. So right. it's like right off the bat, they're hesitant just because of the gender, you know? And so um, I'd say, I'd say more of the hesitation is like, is that, you know, whatever their, their fears are in their head going into it with the idea of a male RMT, or if it's a male that is booking and wants a female, you know, for other reasons or whatever, mm-hmm. um, they don't like the male, uh, idea of a male RMT. Um, so I'd say probably like, Yeah, again, that's that's the majority of the issues right then and there, like the initial uh, contact that they make when they're booking. Um, And when I've spoken to front desk at clinics and spas that I've worked at, they, they say it's like really significant. Like I can't remember, or I can't give you exact statistics. Um, but definitely over 50% of people call and they prefer to have a female or they'll ask if a female is available rather than a male therapist.
0: I've had that. I can sense when a dude's uncomfortable. Like I've had that many, many times when I'm like, oh, this yeah. guy is really uncomfortable with me. But yeah. I, I haven't really had it the reverse. But anyway. Do you
1: think it's more so meant, I mean... In your experience, is it more men than women that are uncomfortable with you as a male therapist? With me yeah. personally, yeah.
0: It, it, in my personal experience, I've had more dudes that are yeah. uncomfortable than females. But I can, I get it. I can, I can see why it would be from either side. But anyway, yeah. but my experience has been mostly males that have been uncomfortable.
2: I've experienced both for sure. Yeah. So w- when I do meet a female that like expresses to me that she is uncomfortable with the idea of a male RMT, or I can sense it maybe from her body language or whatnot. And, you know, maybe some people are feeling uncomfortable, even if they're hard to read. So either way, again, that comes back down to communication and everything that we've learned in school. And as far as the standards of practice go for for the sake of communication, all those things are so important just so that people understand what they are expecting out of treatment and that they can, you know, withdraw their consent if they want to and other uh, ways that empowers them to speak up when they're not comfortable with something or, you know, that that gives them the power in, in a way um and then also speaking through the lens of of therapy you know telling them what i'm going to do and why so they understand like the trajectory of it so there's like why are you touching my leg well you know i'm I'm letting them know okay well look you have lower back pain i see that your hips are shifted this way let me show you give you a visual uh you can feel it on yourself and so i'm going to address these muscles because they attach here and so on and so on and so i think a lot of that just having that focus be very clear uh negates um a lot of the discomfort that women experience or or men in some cases and um you know the follow up as well like the exercises that you show them the the treatment notes that you share with them like I shared my treatment notes with my patients I have a, a system now where I um do the treatment notes and then I email them to them and that just allows me to easy it's easier for me to look up the treatment notes like if I'm on the go I can just pull them up from my phone and then it gives them something that they can refer to Um, that gives them empowerment in their own journey to rehab and they can share with other healthcare practitioners and stuff like that. Uh, So just, yeah, the professionalism and, and, and being able to read that and just um, making everybody feel as comfortable as possible is that's, that's the way I approach it. If that makes sense. I'm not sure if that answers your question exactly.
1: No, that makes, I mean, that makes perfect sense. I, yeah, actually I've never heard of a therapist emailing their treatment notes, but can I tell you how much, that would simplify so many things. Like I'm just thinking of even my own practice. And even though I'm super part-time, majority of the people I see regularly, I see them regularly because they've got like a whole routine that they do. So most of my patients, like they also have a chiropractor mm-hmm. they see regularly. They also it's go a to physio. Idea. They also and it, you know, every time that I have somebody here, I'm thinking of the the person i treated the other night the first thing i ask her is like when w- when did you see the physio last okay what are you guys working on right so like i get the information from her but i never really considered like why aren't we just like yeah. sending the notes it's and she can she can idea. walk with so, all of her exactly notes. <laughs> with,
0: with the, find out from which clients would like to have that participation in their treatment and then obviously with their consent well i mean it's their their notation anyway their documentation and then give it to them I was fucking fabulous. I would have loved that because now I don't have to go hunt it down from everywhere. I don't have yeah, to go back to the... just have all can your I, Can I notes. have uh, these these documents from my file and blah, 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 blah. That should be fucking just standard go, man. Easy peasy. Right from the get-go. You know, client, hey, how much do you want to participate in this? Do you want the documentation that we're making along the way and that way you have it for your records and you have it that you can give to any other health care? That's fucking brilliant, man. I see,
1: I see the conversations in Facebook groups of people saying like they're embarrassed at how behind in their treatment notes they've gotten and this will keep you on
2: your toes guy (laughs) exactly yeah it makes it so you have to get them done you
1: have to do it
2: yeah but not only that but it's it's funny how simple it is because we have access to these systems like you know uh gmail and other providers are they've already done all the work they have you know they're multi-billion dollar corporations that are um that excel in security and everything else so like as far as being compliant um and the security of our notes like it doesn't get much better than having that software already available to us and it's free and everyone uses email and everything else so we could have like a um you know there's all those programs out there that you can buy pay a monthly fee or whatever and a lot of them are great you know like jane app and et etc uh but really like at the end of the day I don't use any of those because it's an avoidable expense and everybody uses email and it doesn't get much simpler than that right and if i want to look up a treatment note before i see them next all it is is like I searched the name on the phone.
0: That's one thing that I really liked. I did a podcast way back when we first started with this guy. Fuck, I don't remember his name. Um, he, he, he's a financial dude and he was always into, he, he's a startup guy, right? So he just throws a lot of money into startups. And one of the startup companies that he was doing was a company called Medicine. I don't know if Medicine is still around. I don't know if they got bought out, whatever the case is. But anyway, which way Medicine was basically, you have a whole bunch of practitioners that are on that platform. This is specifically for home visits. So you jump on the app, you know, you find whatever you need, they come to your house and then they upload all of the documentation into the app. And that way you, as the as the clientele, you have always it. have all yeah. of the documentation from any practitioner they've ever seen. Like that's as close as I've seen that that done. And this is fucking great. I, I I'm, I'm still riding on this idea.
2: Yeah. And those softwares are great. But again, it's always a third party thing that people only access when they're going in to do that. So people forget passwords, you know, maybe the servers load slower, whatever the case may be. It's just another step that kind of gets in the way. Whereas like if I treat somebody and then they go see their chiropractor the next day, you know, who works at a different clinic, they're not going to have any trouble pulling up the notes to share with them. It's just right there in their email. Same thing that they use every day.
1: Well, I was going to make a, a another comment too. There's just the fact that you said as a male therapist, you've prioritized communication and you're right. I mean, pretty much any issue anybody has in the world, if you like, really search for the root cause it typically comes down to communication communication, somebody didn't have their expectations met why weren't their expectations met they weren't made clear like communication is super important Mm -hmm. and we've had discussions multiple times about you know rmt's talking about different experiences they've had and mark and i always ask each other like have you had that have you had that and I have used the words lucky very often, like, no, I've just been lucky, but it's not luck. And I I did allude to this on another episode where I think a big reason that um, a lot of us who haven't had a lot of these negative experiences have avoided them is that we are very clear in our communication. Does your
0: clear communication, is that something you have to work on or is that something that is really natural for you and therefore it just doesn't feel like... Anything you don't have to be conscious
2: about it. It's definitely something I have to work on. I, I think everybody does. I mean, maybe some, it comes naturally to some people, but we all see things from our own lens. You know what I mean. So yeah. we have to really consciously put ourselves in other people's shoes um, and make that a practice. There's a book that I really like. I don't know if you've heard of it or read it yourselves, but a uh, nonviolent communication. Hmm. Um, that one really goes into like a lot of details and gives some really practical um, tools to to do that to communicate effectively. And I wouldn't say avoid conflict. Cause I don't think there's anything wrong with conflict. Conflict is good, right? Like there's always going to be conflict if you see things differently. And that like leads us to solutions, but how do we navigate those conflicts? How do we make ourselves clear? How do we, um, interpret and understand what other people are saying to us and be able to like find common ground. And that's really important. And That book is really helpful with that. Um, but beyond that, you know, there's some other resources out there and, and just, uh, again constant practice like getting feedback from other people mm-hmm. and you meet some people that are just better communicators themselves you can learn things from them but yeah it's definitely like a conscious effort without a doubt right
0: tell us about this group i want to know i want to know about this group when did you start it how did you start to put the word out about it and what kind of reception have you had about the group
2: uh yeah so i guess it was a long time coming i probably should have made it earlier um but I, it was just after a couple people had canceled on me um, last minute when they they found out I was male. Or one, one found out I was male. It was, she was referred to by someone else. And the other, she knew I was male. But for some reason, she assumed I was like a chiropractor or physiotherapist. Mm-hmm. And when she found out that I was a massage therapist, she said she wasn't comfortable with that. Like an hour before the treatment, I don't know how she didn't realize I was a massage therapist. Again, she was her, someone referred her to me, so you know, go back and forth, and and I basically laid it all out for her. Sixty minute treatment. I bring my sheets. You know, we do it this way, this way, et cetera. So I don't know why it went over her head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at that point, like I, I you know, you, you probably experience this too. I find it very frustrating when people don't respect your time that way because last minute cancellations um, really affect your life. Like you know, when I, when someone cancels on me last minute. I could have booked someone else that time, or I could have, you know, done some work on the farm, but I planned to be in town. So I went to town, you know, to, to do a couple other things, like run a couple of errands or pick up my kids when I could have had my wife pick them, pick them up and stop or whatever. Like, you know, you, you organize life and, and especially when you have what I have, like a farm and, and we homeschool too. I have two, two, two girls, now, two kids. Um, so there's always like a sacrifice and like, um, uh, you know, planning that goes into every day so when i schedule a time for someone that that is lost time if i can't make that up with another person like both from my own benefit of like working and you know for my income and everything else but um for the opportunity of other people who could have seen me when they, when they needed treatment and I had already reserved that spot for someone else. So I think you can relate to that too. It's very frustrating when people do that. Um, but you know, that, that, uh, after those last couple of experiences is again, it's like, okay, it's just because of my gender. So how do I navigate this? Um, because there is a lot of, of, of struggle that way. So yeah, I went ahead and made the group and, uh, it's popping. Like, I, I don't know how many people were in there now, but I think it got to over a hundred people in like a couple of days. Nice. Um, nice. I also started to talk to a couple other male therapists that I'd met over other Facebook groups. And, and we got to talking and realized that, you know, we've had a lot of the same struggles and experiences. And I was just like, okay, well let's collaborate and, and figure out how we can navigate this. And of course, female therapists have their own issues, you know, and it's not proprietary. in that way I'm and I haven't like limited the group by genders. Like if females want to join, I think there are a couple of females, although it's definitely predominantly males in the group. Right. That's, that's totally fine. Like it's not to, to segregate, um, by gender by any means uh, some people in the other groups sort of took it that way i'm not sure why you know of course you post something on the internet you're always going to offend or tick somebody off right yeah, yeah. Uh, but i just yeah. want to make that clear that's not you know like a boys only club or something it's just the focus is how do you navigate um to your best ability as male rmts in this specific um profession because it, it definitely there's something to that
0: i didn't see it up front a little bit of blowback because whoever did this blowback or one of the people has blocked me, so I can't see anything that they post. Oh boy. But um, our, our buddy Ed, when you started the group, he sent me a screenshot of of, of your group, uh, your posting. And he's like, hey, man, yeah. this, this seems pretty cool. I'm like, yeah. And he's a, he's a fellow, because Ed, Ed used to be a tobacco farmer. I'm like, yeah. And he's a farmer too, man. Join that group. But then in that, I saw comments from an individual. I think we've not spoken very kindly of him on this podcast before, hence he's blocked me. And then I saw that he was, uh, he was. Putting up a, a little bit of uh, a little bit of fisticuffs on it, like not. Oh, I thought it was, gonna it was a be, good idea. I thought it
1: was going to be a female therapist. No, when you pretty said much he's saying back. like
0: anything that's discussed in that
2: group. No, females are very supportive. Actually, yeah.
0: he was like, th- "What I read in, in the screenshot, he was like, anything that was dis- that's discussed in that group should really be out here in the open for everyone to participate in. I will not be participating in this group or something like that. That's the way yeah. I read it. Maybe I read it wrong, but
1: well, I so I mean you've kind of answered my question. That's I was gonna yeah. I was gonna ask if there was any blowback because I have. heard heard um from female therapists and that's why i thought maybe it was going to be a female i've heard a couple of female therapists say like i'm I'm exaggerating it's not like they said i don't have sympathy for male therapists or maybe they did but it was kind of the gist i got from what they had said was something along the lines of like you know this is like a female dominated profession and one of the only places where like it really benefits to be a female like like boo-hoo, so sad men. The, yeah, that, that happens kind a lot. Thing. It's
0: like, it's a man's world and we finally have a little piece that's ours and blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah.
1: What do you guys have to say about that? I mean, I have my own thoughts as the female in the room, but I want to know, what do you guys have to say about that for women who are like, really, you guys are going to boo-hoo over people not wanting to see you as a man? Like, welcome to our world.
2: Yeah, I think that's a little bit silly because if they have experienced some similar discrimination or so they think, um... Wouldn't you want to turn that into compassion for someone else in that similar situation, rather than like, now, you know what it's like sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, like the world that we live in, I I think that there is uh, of course inequalities in, in all professions and and activities. That's just the reality of things. But um, there's also a lot of equal opportunity and then ways to create your own opportunity. Right. Like I've seen females that, are quite successful in all realms of endeavors, even things that would be typically considered, you know, manly, whatever, right? Like I know some females in the trades and everything else and they're kicking ass.
1: I know, ma'am. there should be, there needs to be more, there needs to be more women in trades. Women, yeah. are,
0: women are efficient and resourceful. More women in trades. Massage therapy is already really isolated. Yeah. Like, you're isolated as a therapist. And I've said this before on this podcast. Dudes need a fucking tribe. Yeah. Du- like, for yeah. dudes to thrive in life, period... You need it. You need it. You need a fucking tribe. You need you need those people. Men handle a lot of things alone, man. Like a lot. And and on top of that, in this profession, like everyone's alone. You're you're in a room with a client over and over and over throughout the day by yourself, by yourself, by yourself. So this is one place that I feel like dudes definitely need a tribe, not just in life, but especially in this field. And if you can find your tribe that will help support you, and there are other dudes and they get it, then that's what's the problem. I see
1: no problem with it. I think what Ryan did was actually a really good thing, and there's going to be a lot of male therapists who are thankful that this exists because, um, contrary to what the male therapists that thought this should all be out in the open, having a group that's specifically to discuss a certain type of issue, it just feels like. Like, you know, when you're in like a general group, let's take like the, you know, some of the RMT groups on Facebook that are just general, it becomes noise because everybody's just posting every single question they have about everything, every thought they have about everything. And because it's the internet, people are waiting to jump on you and get angry. But in a group that is specifically to address issues that... Male therapists have, like you said, females can join the group. Maybe females can chime in. Maybe this will help male and female therapists actually understand the struggles of the opposite. You know, like Mark sat here and listened to one of our female guests talk about the feeling of constantly being alert and on edge as a woman. And he was like, you know, I never really thought of it like that. How like every time we walk out of a building, we are hyper aware of everything going around on around us because our safety is kind of always always in the background mm-hmm. for men yeah. you have like we had Chris here the other day uh, talking about the fact that he just avoids sensitive areas like unless he treats over the clothes at all costs because he doesn't even want the slightest perception to be that he was doing something inappropriate, you know, and he's like really over the top with like his communication and all of this. Mm -hmm. And these are things that female therapists don't really have to consider as much. Right. Mm. So you're right, Ryan, on both sides, there's issues. And I think, you know, maybe female therapists having a group like yours, male therapists having a group like yours, but there being some like you know, cross communication and maybe just everybody understanding a little more that, yeah, you know what, this is really hard, but this is really hard too. And we can all offer each other advice. And I don't think it has to be in these big general groups because yeah, then everything is just noise on noise and a bunch of people fighting. How about instead of fighting, we do what Ryan's trying to do and support each other and give each other ideas and helpful feedback on how to avoid you know, a situation where Chris is afraid afraid to treat a woman's pecs because he doesn't want to be perceived as well, being I mean. inappropriate. So,
0: like in the scenario, like like that one dude's like, I'm not going to support this group. I'm like, maybe like you should think twice about it because if you've got a lot of things to say and a lot of advice to offer, and you've got this you world of helpful. experience, you could be really helpful. Yeah. Anyway, I I just didn't get that response at all. I thought that was over the top. You know, what do I know? He's blocked me. <laughs>
1: Well, there are some people who don't want to have helpful discussion, you know like we when we were talking about communication, and Ryan said about um, uh conflict like there there needs to be conflict. I agree with him, right like there needs to be there's going to be disagreements, and conflict if you know how to communicate properly, conflict or disagreeing or whatever doesn't equal fighting. Mm-hmm you know, you can have a discussion where there's two okay. Not only is is it okay, It's it's necessary. It's healthy. I mean, I always joke about this and you know, Mark says not everything, but that even further proves my point. It's funny. Mark and I disagree on very, very many things. But that's why we never run out of shit to talk about, man, because he (laughs) says something and I'm like, well, let me present this to you a different way. And you know what? Even sometimes it gets heated. Sometimes I say to him, I need to walk away for a second. You're bugging me. But then I come back and I'm like, okay, let's try this again. And
2: it sounds like a healthy relationship to me.
1: Yeah. We never run out of shit to talk about. And I don't call what we do arguing. We're, you know, passionately disagreeing. Hmm.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I could even say that I have arguments with myself, like it's part of the thinking process of how to come to uh, a best understanding or or solution with things, right? Like try and look at things from different angles. So if you have multiple brains that are, you know, processing different pieces of information and experiences, of course, there's going to be some conflicting realities, for lack of a better word. And, and uh, it's constantly allowing us to come to to, to refine ourselves and refine um, our best practices. What
1: kinds of conversations, like, I mean, obviously, this is a, a group, but it's open to almost anyone, like, without giving away people's, like, names or whatever, like, what kinds of conversations, what kinds of questions are people asking in this group and what kinds of advice have been going around? Or, like, maybe for men that are listening right now that are male therapists, like, what kind of advice um, have you seen that's been really helpful or what kind of advice have you been giving to other male therapists? Uh,
2: well, it's a pretty new group, as I said, so most of the posts lately have just been introductory posts and I haven't been on there in a few days. So um, I don't think I'd be able to give any like great examples at the moment as far as um, that's concerned. I mean, unless I logged into the group and and, and looked, uh, maybe there's some stuff there, but um. Yeah, I mean, it's it's mostly uh, male therapists have logged on, given a little bit introduction about themselves and, and relating to the struggles and and the successes of other therapists and how to navigate it. And uh, as far as advice, um, we've talked a little bit about it, communication, like we just discussed, uh, and so on. But it's 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 evolving, so I'd I'd have to get get back to you on that over time and and see what uh, what is added. And a lot of it is also transferable transferable to females, of course. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, again, just the focus is on male. But yeah, as far as like just ways to run your practice, the ways to present yourself, market yourself, the ways to communicate with clients, the uh, treatment techniques to make people feel secure in your presence and that they have, uh, you know, um, an ability to to control the dynamic in, in a way that is like empowering, etc. That's, that's been the focus.
1: Do you guys think it's important for... I mean, any therapist, but male therapists to have a public photo? Like, do you think it's important for the people that are coming to see you to know what you look like beforehand?
2: Great question. I think so personally. Um, I'm sure that's going to be a very debatable and conflicted topic. I mean, I see a lot of people that don't do not want to put their photo out there for whatever reason, or think it doesn't matter, but you know, I've always put my photo both on my resume and, you know, on social media or, or when I've had websites. So people do can put a face, uh, a name to the face. Um, what people do with that, if they want to judge someone's appearance, that's fine one way or the other. Um, and when I, when I try and present myself in a professional way, uh, you know, I try and look clean cut enough anyways. Like, you know, I have a beard and all that. I'm not perfectly manicured by any means, but like um <laughs> to me this is clean cut because uh I guess I am a farmer and a bit, bit of a <laughs> wilderness guy. So it's like, you know, a happy medium here. At least I don't look like I just came out of the bush or close enough anyway. Um, but then posture and everything, right? Like try and have a, a nice upright frame and and look like I take care of myself and that I know a little bit about um what i'm doing you know i think i think body language is crucial in all realms of human endeavor but especially when our profession is about the body um so yeah i, I don't think there's anything wrong with it and i think it's it's beneficial you know if, if i want to book with someone like it's not that I'm going to make any judgments about their appearance necessarily, but I just like to see the face of the person that I'm going yeah. to see before I meet yeah. with them.
1: What do you think, Mark? Do you think it's important to have a photo?
0: On on your social platforms? Yes. On your business social platforms, I think it's important. On your website, I think it's important. Again, that just speaks to, like, I'm, I'm a real person, and here's a little bit about who I am, and uh, it allows you to come off as a very genuine real yeah. person. Do you know what I mean? I think it
1: also takes out another element of surprise. Like Ryan said, it's not necessarily Necessarily that you're judging the person by what they look like, but when the person comes out to like the reception area yeah. or wherever they're going to greet you, you've seen the face before, so like you just feel comfortable.
0: We've always talked about the idea of of being authentic and and just carrying on business the the way you're you're comfortable in your own skin and who you are. I find it's really strange when people have professional profiles and have no pictures. Like when I go on LinkedIn and you don't even have a profile picture, I'm like, what what, what are you hiding? Yeah, like, what's who are what, what, you? what's going on like it doesn't make sense to me it doesn't make sense yeah. to me you know why i
1: asked that question no why? because a story popped into my mind from years ago and i've told it on other episodes where i showed up to get a treatment it was last minute and i i just went into this clinic it was a busy it was a sutherland chan clinic so it was mm-hmm. like a busy clinic and i said do you have anybody available mm-hmm. within the next hour and they said we do have and i don't remember the the guy's oh, name but it was it was a terrible. male therapist Big, and guy. And yet this when he comes out, this guy was well over six feet tall yeah. and looked like he, you know, could eat me for breakfast. Mm-hmm. Like this guy was massive. He was like a football player. He's
0: taken uh, athletic taping with me before. Probably. Yeah. yeah.
1: So this big dude comes out. And for me, because at that moment in time, like my my pain in my back and my neck was so intense. Like I was like I looked at this guy and I'm like, yes, yes. I need like somebody who can like give me deep tissue pressure because I'm in pain right now. And that's what I wanted at the moment. But anyway, I could imagine this guy walking out, had you not known who you were going to see, and just scaring the pants off of somebody like he was massive. And I mean, nicest guy and like not in any way the type of therapist i thought he was going to be but um yeah i that's i just wondered how important well cuz it, it also it also
0: creates a certain type of comfort like i yeah. used to i used to work at a clinic and they also have a gym and they when they were happy to hire me because I looked like them. We're all rough around the edges. We're all pierced. We're all tattooed. And we all show it off. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, you know, when you see that picture of that therapist and you identify with that, then that's that's a home run. Do you know what I mean? So it's one, it's one of those pieces that you can use as part of your branding where... It allows someone to easily identify with you, or it repels someone automatically, and that's always good too. That way, w- there's no weird expectation that's being created. We've we've cut through that already just by you, yeah. you even just seeing me and seeing what I'm all about.
1: Yeah, some of the therapists that place that you worked at had like neck tattoos, of course. So I think Head that tattoos, yeah, right? super important that people could see that beforehand because does that change the type of therapist they are? No, but are there some people that we'll would see a guy with neck tattoos
0: it? and say like that? That is frightening to me. Right. Probably. And there's other people that look at that and say, I I identify with this person understands me. Yes. I feel like they get me. Yeah. I want to go see this person. I don't want this, the slacks and the shoes and the button up shirt. Do you know what I mean? I don't want that. I want someone that looks like they're going to drop an F bomb every once in a while. Yeah. They're Not to say you can tell that from a picture, but you kind of get the idea that this one might be like
1: this. This might be that <laughs> you know. person. But yeah, there's definitely going to be people, Ryan is right, that hear this and s- this could be a little controversial because there's going to be people who say like, it shouldn't matter what the therapist looks like. We all know that it shouldn't matter. Yeah, and I get that, and it shouldn't matter. We all
0: understand that.
1: But I do think eliminating any element of surprise and having people know exactly who they're coming to see, that also is going to take down some of that discomfort. So again, when we're talking about male therapists, you're just getting rid of another layer of possible discomfort. Like they know, you know, somebody has seen Ryan, they know he's got a they know he looks like he possibly just came out of the forest and that's fine. And
0: they're ready and comfortable with you're that. Making, you're making him sound like fucking uh, Tom Hanks from Castaway. Okay.
2: <laughs> Wilson, <laughs> you know, that uh, makes me think about something during COVID. um one of the things that i i was really grateful about in this profession and i'm like quite i'm a person that is quite comfortable spending time with myself like i really enjoy my my own time i don't feel like i have to be around people by any means but um there's also another side of me that is pretty social and uh really does enjoy human interaction especially if it has a purpose which again this career does right like we get to help people and connect with people in a meaningful way and um during covid when i was practicing you know not the first lockdown when we are allowed to but the ones after that is i get comments from people so so much that they they were feeling lonely and that they're lacking the social life and the human interaction and i was like i'm so lucky to get to go to work and have meaningful human interactions with multiple people during a day and feel like a sense of purpose and accomplishment despite the fact that you know we're in lockdown right now And, Mm -hmm. and then the people that would come to see me who would tell me that they were feeling that way you know got uh a bit of um you know they they benefited from from our interaction as well and to have that like social interaction that human connection um which was really awesome so that was and that's not something that's limited to COVID. of course we get that regardless but uh, that really kind of uh shined a light on that in in that particular time.
1: Listening to you talk, Ryan, and I mean, Mark's the same way. You also sound like a guy that, um, like you, you're very self-aware, you understand people. I mean, that's obviously really important in our profession. I feel for the men that are kind of socially awkward. I feel for the men that maybe don't understand how to relate to different types of people. Cause trust me, there are women like that too, who like, you know, are a little bit, um, Socially awkward, maybe uncomfortable in in social situations don't always know how to relate to different types of people, but again, if we're talking about men and removing layers of discomfort, you sound like you understand how to relate to people, which I think is really important, so I think you know a focus in that group too could be helping people to understand that they they need to be able to maybe put themselves in somebody else's shoes, be able to, again, it goes back to the communication, be able to understand the different types of clients that are coming in, or at least make sure that they're focusing on marketing themselves in a way that they're having the right clients come visit them. You know, if you're a guy that's like uncomfortable treating uh, pregnant people, well, make sure that you're repelling the pregnant people then. Like Mark is really good at relating to different types of people. And it's funny because you guys look like Dudes. I know we said that. If For anybody who doesn't know what a dude is, look at Mark and look at Ryan. These are dudes. Like, you guys are not, um, well, how did you put it? Not the most well manicured. You don't have <laughs> shiny nails. You know, Mark's scruffy most of the time.
0: We're rough around the edges.
1: A little rough around the edges. But earlier today, I had a friend call me um, a few days before her birthday. There's a concert happening that she's really interested in going to. And she was like, if I get tickets, like, will you come? And I was like, let me just check my work calendar. Yeah, there's nothing. It's by your birthday. Sure. Like, let's do this. And she was like, well, should I get tickets for Mark too? And I said, well, are the other dudes coming? Like, are the other husbands coming? Because if they are, then yes. If not, then no, that's weird that I bring mine. She's like, yeah, but it's always okay if he comes. <laughs> like, oh, that's nice. You got special privileges. because I don't talk.
0: So it's like... <laughs> It's just, it's like I'm it's like I'm not even there, which is always good, right? I just I just blend in and disappear into the background. So
1: <laughs> Oh boy. So I want you to let people know who maybe haven't seen the group on Facebook. Uh, what yeah. is the group called? And um I mean, I don't know if you're cool with giving out contact info for you, like if you want people to follow you on Instagram or Facebook, but where can Male, female, any RMTs find this group if they want to join it. Yeah.
2: So the group is called Male Massage Therapist Success Network. And I'm sure you could just search it. Uh, I can also send you a link later if you want. Well, you're on it, Mark. So you, you have that information there. Mm-hmm. And then um, my Facebook page is facebook.com slash Ryan Brown with an E at the end of Brown RMT. Um, yeah, I'm sure you can just search me as well. Ryan Brown RMT. Again, with an E at the end of brown. I don't know why the E is there. You have to ask my ancestors that. Kind of redundant, but <laughs> it's like <laughs> makes me. It I'm a man to I'm cook anyways.
1: with an E. Yeah, yeah doesn't make okay. any sense.
2: Maybe our ancestors knew each other, they were bored one day, and wanted to be different. <laughs> That's Put <odd>. the <laughs> E there right on. <laughs> Maybe. So I get, I get brownie and you get cookie, right? Absolutely. Sure
1: <laughs> I was yeah. called cookie for five years, all through <laughs> high school. Yes, I'm old enough that I had five years of high school. I know when I say that now, young people are like, what? Did you, you fail? No. We had five years. What do you mean, what, you fail?
0: They don't even know fail now. Oh, that's true. Right? No one fails now. <laughs> Unbelievable. Imagine that when I was in school. Fuck. Me and Sean Barrage, we would have been in the same class all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who that is, but I'm still laughing. Yeah, Sean failed, I think, a couple grades. I think grade three and five, actually.
1: <laughs> just call him right out on the podcast. Yeah, oh, Sorry, Sean. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> My mother was always like, I don't want you with the Barrage boys. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh boy! Well, are you a part of the group, Mark? Are you yeah, in the yeah, group? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you need to go in there and start dropping some knowledge. Yeah. No. Do you know anything?
0: Uh, no, I know nothing. I'm going. <laughs> I'm going there to collect knowledge, to gather knowledge. Got right. it. So Got it. Go.
1: What was your your goal for this, Ryan? What do you want people to get out of this?
2: Just to become better practitioners, and then, like Mark said, to have a bit of a tribe and a support group. That's all. Just to connect with each other and to get better at what we do. And overcome the obstacles that we face being males. You know, it's interesting, um, kind of back to when you're asking me about, uh, can you tell if different females are uncomfortable or not? Yep. I have had experiences, of course, where they just directly tell me that they are uncomfortable with the male. Um, but I got to say that a lot of the ongoing clients that I have now or patients, whatever word you want to use, um, that are female and male and who are uncomfortable from the beginning are now like pretty loyal and that i think that's a a cool thing that we have like and it's an opportunity in our position to have people that are hesitant or uncomfortable for whatever reason and if maybe they have traumas or fears we can be um a bit of a catalyst to help change that dynamic in their experience like maybe they've had a traumatic experience in the past like maybe a female has had a traumatic experience experience in the past being in a vulnerable position with a male and so that's in their psyche. And, you know, just like with any kind of trauma, we we get uh, th- things that trigger us based on whatever. Like, say you went to war, you have PTSD, maybe a firework or a car backfiring, like trigger something and you're afraid. Um, you know, there's, uh, there's all kinds of things that we can associate fears with. And, you know, that fears are not always real, of course, but then our fears limit us. So we don't do certain things and um, ex- have experiences that could benefit us because of our fears. So with the women and men that like didn't want to see me because of whatever their fear was, and then they end up seeing that I'm like quite a competent practitioner and I'm able to help them a lot and uh, our communication is good and we develop, um, you know, a, a good therapeutic connection. That's a pretty cool opportunity, right? Like to be able to, it's very satisfactory. So I'd like to see more discussions about that and, yeah. and, and, and just kind of like the alchemy of turning a bad situation into a good situation or like an obstacle into an opportunity. Um, but again, that's not just limited to just being a male therapist. It's just the focus of that group, but it mm-hmm. uh, can lead into the, into more of that for sure.
1: I like that you told that story, actually, because one thing that I have mentioned a few times is I know a lot of male therapists and the difference between those who are really successful and those who are not is not that they don't have these experiences because you've all I mean, even Mark, who's had like a was, you know, had all of these repeat clients He's had experiences where somebody's told the receptionist, like, no, don't want to see him. He's, yeah, a, he's yeah, a guy. Yeah. You've all had the experiences. But the difference between those of you who are practicing and doing really well and have loyal clients and the ones that don't, um, it comes down to this mindset of, like you said, you took these these situations and your thought process was... They have probably had some negative experiences. There might be some trauma behind this. Let me see if I can, you know, gain their trust, make them feel comfortable, and turn around the way they're thinking versus the mindset of I'm a man, nobody wants to see me because I'm a man, because some other man did something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's putting yeah. the blame back on the person when really this person probably has very valid reasons for not wanting to see a male therapist. And you having this really positive attitude of like, let me see if I can turn this around. And sometimes you won't, because sometimes that person is never going to be comfortable with a male therapist. And that's fine. There's a whole bunch of us females, there's 80% are are female, so they can come to us. But there's going to be some people that will eventually realize, oh, this, this guy's really good. And that will give them a more positive outlook on therapy, Hmm. and just make them a little more comfortable and know like, What this guy is doing for me is therapy and he's a very competent therapist and, you know, they will become loyal, like you said. So I I think, you know, that story is really important for all therapists, but for male therapists to hear that sometimes it's, you know, there's a really good reason, but you can turn that attitude around. Not every female who initially expresses discomfort or every male who initially Mm -hmm, expresses mm -hmm. discomfort with a male is never going to see you again.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's fuel, right? Like, just like in any other kind of situation where someone is um, up against an obstacle because of something they can't control. Like, maybe back in the day under certain circumstances, if you were black, you know, you're not going to get the job because they want to give it to the white guy, for example. But what if you take that and, well, I want to be the best at this, that I, I want to be better than my competition, the other people that are chosen for that position. So you use it as fuel. You, you'd you be really freaking good at what you do. Yeah. And it's yeah. the same here. Like what's the best way, the most efficient way for me to overcome those obstacles? Yes, it's communication, but why would they come to see me over the next therapist it's not necessarily that i'm better than the other therapist, but i will use it as fuel to be the absolute best that i can be and provide the best therapy care um advice you know um whatever and 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 to really understand how to how to do that effectively it's it's just fuel for that. There's other sources of fuel to be good at what you do and to, and to be passionate about what you can offer people. But that's just another source.
1: This goes along with, you know, an episode we just recently recorded talking about um, trauma informed care, right, right, right. you know, like being you as the therapist, being comfortable with Other people's discomfort, you know, like other people are going to bring stuff into the treatment room. And so if you have somebody and you're feeling that they're uncomfortable, you becoming uncomfortable is only thickening the discomfort in the room and is not helping anything. But you being able to recognize like they're uncomfortable and communicating and you know it doesn't have to be an elephant in the room you can address it and how can i make you more comfortable Mm -hmm. and make sure you're communicating with that person to make them realize like you're trying to create a comfortable and supportive environment for them
2: yes absolutely
0: this is the only thing that i i don't enjoy about a male therapist and if i see a male therapist with hairy forearms i always request if you can avoid your forearms Please do. You don't like the feeling uh, of the hair? Tactile, I I just don't. I got weird sensory issues. Like, I don't like a a tight waistband. If my clothes don't fit right, I just feel uncomfortable. So I I got weird sensory issues like that. And I just don't enjoy a a hairy forearm running across any part of my body. So I'm just like, please, can you do me a favor? If it's avoidable, can we not use (laughs) forearms? That's
1: fair. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's also fair that there's going to be some female therapists who have hairy for Absolutely. Too.
2: Absolutely. So. <laughs>
0: absolutely. Anyway.
2: Just one of the things that I wanted to discuss in this podcast, um, going back to my uh, back issues there, unrelated, um, everything we're talking about is, is awesome, like with the um, male therapist side of things and so on. But um, with this podcast, I wanted to take the opportunity to, to tell a little bit more about my story with the with the back pain mm-hmm. and the reason why that's important is because um, this job in particular, but also other physical activity, there's so much opportunity in that to rehabilitate injuries. Mm-hmm. And from my experience with clients, patients, and myself, is that a lot of times we're like disempowered or we have ideas in our head that we shouldn't be doing physical things because of some kind of injury or um, limitation that we have. Right. And um, with the back pain that I was telling you about before, the back injury, that got a lot better over time. Um, but I may have mentioned to you that uh, not that long ago, like the beginning of 2020, I had another spine injury. So um, what happened was I had a spine infection mm. in the same area that I had injured before on the motorcycle, um, but it went undiagnosed for a long time. I went to the ER three times actually in ambulance because the pain was like excruciating. And I've had other injuries, like I've had broken bones and you know this and that, and uh, I'm not unfamiliar with pain i've quite high pain tolerance but this was just freaking off the charts and um they kept misdiagnosing me in the er they just called it you know sciatica broad term right for something going on in that region that we can't explain basically um here's some more painkillers go home and it took doing my own research plus the last time i was in the ambulance there's actually a young um emt is that the right word in canada emt paramedic whatever um Anyways, so uh, he's like, okay, well, you also have a fever. And they hadn't checked that before and a couple other symptoms. They're like, maybe you have some kind of infection. Mm. Um, but the reason that was ruled out before and not really looked at is because all they did immediately was they're like, oh, severe pack pain, give them an x ray. So they gave me an x ray every time I went to the yard. ER. Like, oh, we don't see anything. You're fine. That's. It, one nurse even said to me, it's in your head, go, you know, here's some painkillers, walk home. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they assumed that I was just there for drugs partially in the back of their head. Cause I'm sure some people do that. I don't, know. but anyways, um, so finally I had to just like stand up for myself and I'm like, I'm not leaving here until I get a blood culture test and an MRI. And so they were compliant with that after, you know, huffing and puffing about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they did the, uh, MRI and then immediately. 180 the way that they were treating me they they said oh shit this is an emergency your blood is septic you have a spine infection and right there in the er they put me on iv um, broad spectrum antibiotics Mm -hmm. and admitted Mm -hmm. me into the hospital and because it had been so long before i actually got treatment it was much more of an emergency at that point because it had been like three weeks where the bacteria were just three or more weeks because i'm sure it was there before i started experiencing that degree of symptoms um that the b- bacteria were basically destroying my spine like destroying the disc and the bone and that they, you know osteomyelitis discitis was the diagnosis at the time the acute diagnosis and um and then then a doctor came after the shift change and said oh shit we shouldn't have given you broad spectrum antibiotics because now we can't figure out exactly what bacteria is in your blood and affecting your spine and can't tailor the antibiotics specifically to that bacteria. Mm. Uh, fortunately it was, they were still able to do the analysis and found out that it was just a Staph a like it's on everything. Right. But how did it get into the spine was a mystery. Um, what I think happens is at the time I was foraging up north so usually in the springtime i'll we'll go forage wild mushrooms and wild leeks and so on and spend like a few weeks at a time in the bush um mm-hmm. there's a black fly season up in up in the area like near huntsville and bancroft and that and i was getting eaten alive i have the bug net bug nets and everything but you know i just bloody forearms everything like as they're just out there in droves right. so that, that's the only thing i can think of why i got that in, infection and as severe as it was um but Still totally idiopathic. Like there's no clear answer as to how I got that. Usually you get that kind of infection from post-surgery, or if you're like a heavy IV drug user, you know, like street drugs and you're injecting yourself at the time, you yeah. get this that way. Uh, and I've never done any of that stuff, but um that, that they couldn't figure it out, basically, right, wow, uh, so they sent me for a few other tests to make sure that the bacteria hadn't lodged in my heart because that was the other risk factors, it moves around the body in certain areas that you know have much higher instances of mortality, so once that was ruled out that they still you know were were very on top of it, um you know i was I was taking more painkillers than you know is healthy <laughs> the only painkiller that really touched it uh, i can't remember what it's called right now is anti-inflammatory um anyways i'm gonna go down that route but uh so i ended up putting a pic line in me which is like a, uh basically a iv but it goes you know right through the arm and, and into the heart there mm-hmm. um and so i had eight weeks of that uh and then they finally um discharged me from the hospital about a month later um with the pick line, so I had like a pump attached to me twenty four seven and was changing bags from the fridge, and then after that, another twelve weeks of antibiotics. Wow. But I had some pretty serious residual damage. so like the l four l five was like greatly affected it, uh, from the from the damage that the bacteria had done. And the doctors at the time said, "You're not gonna um, be able to lift heavy weights anymore. You have to stay away from training." Um, No And now now we
1: know that isn't true based on what Mark said at the top of the episode. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, exactly right. And then they said you might not be able to walk without assistance and so on and so on. And so I ignored that advice. And, uh, you know, we're not going to say under any circumstances to ignore your doctor's advice. But what I will say is that when someone tells you that the prognosis is something that is going to, Mm. how do I say it? Um, keep you weak, I guess, and, and doesn't give you the ability to review other options or explore ways to get better. It's just like, here's your diagnosis. You're fucked. This is how it is. I have seen thousands of cases where that's just not true. There's like often a way to get better and it's usually not the route. Of being sedentary or taking no action or Absolutely. just masking your symptoms. yeah, And that was like a perfect, perfect opportunity for me to go into like, okay, this is a real deal now. Like I can't fuck around here. Like I have to see if like the knowledge that I have and so on is real. Like, can I actually recover from this and continue to do the things that I enjoy doing and keep me strong? Because if I just at that point, take the doctor's advice and Uh, Stay on the painkillers that they will give me, you know, after two spine injuries, they won't question I could be on painkillers for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, bitch and moan and and so on. And and I will be weak. Of course, I'm going to be in pain if that's all I do. Um, so I did the opposite. Like I, I went hard into training and, and and by hard, I don't mean like I just freaking went to the gym two hours a day, right off the bat. I just really made it my focus. Like I'm going to get through this. I'm going to strengthen myself. Like at all costs, I made it my job, basically my full-time job. But at the same time I was still practicing and still doing, you know, uh, getting into starting our farm and all that. And so I realized that like, all the things that I have to do are very physical, the farming, the massage therapy, the training. Mm -hmm. So I had to use what I had to do anyways to, um, rehabilitate myself and the amount of volume that I could get from doing physical things that were rehabilitative all day long Mm -hmm. would substantially increase my chances of success, of being successful as long as I was smart with it. So, um, yeah, so ba- basically I was like, yeah, like I have these limit I had have whatever these limitations um but what do I know about the body and specifically about the spine? Well, we need blood to heal. We need blood to move around our bodies, right? Like it is the potion of healing, the blood, right? It's it, it carries all the nutrients and the cells that we need to get better and eliminates the byproducts of injury. So how do I get the most blood to my spine? Well, I got to decompress. So I did a lot of inverting or I did a lot of squatting, you know, and, and muscle activation and, uh, different mobility things. But again, throughout the day, while well, I already had to do things, so it was a way that I was planting garlic. It was a way that I was treating people. It was, um, the very specific and slow and precision movements in the gym, et cetera, et cetera. And over time, I developed different techniques in my practice. And I hear a lot of therapists that are complaining of burnout, you know, they have body pains, they have this, they have that. Mm -hmm. I don't experience any of that anymore at all. And I did more so prior to getting injured. So it's not like being physically active that makes us have pain. It's exactly how we move and like how conscious we are in doing so. And that like, now that's part of my mission as far as like, both in my own practice and, and like I'd really like to help other RMTs, male, female, whatever, um, learn to do that. And I had to learn how to do that the hard way. And I don't really have any regrets because the amount I've learned is substantial and like the anecdotal evidence of like having this diagnosis and being able to overcome it is like significant. It's so confirming for me that I'm not just talking out of my ass when I'm like, get, you know, helping people to rehabilitate themselves. Yeah. So Um, yeah, I mean, I just, I just wanted to share that because that's just so where I'm at right now in my career. It's like, you know, we all know the benefits of exercise and everything else and on, on anti-aging and being stronger and being able to handle our activities of daily living and all that kind of stuff. But we're in such a unique opportunity as therapists to be able to have a physical job that really can benefit us if we do the right techniques. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think it like, if I have five treatments a day, an hour each, it's like five hours of freaking yoga. That i get to do right like i got my table drop super low i'm doing the splits the whole time If i'm tractioning someone's neck i'm breathing and you know letting my scapulas be protracted and like getting a massive stretch and and opening up my thoracic cage um i'm strengthening in some ways you know with with what i'm doing like with isometric techniques like right. say i'm pushing on their heel and then on the bottom of their rib cage to spread the fascia and, and, you know, the lumbar vertebra apart and everything at the same time, like I'm exerting force and strengthening my rotator cuff muscles and everything. Um, uh, if I'm doing pressure, I don't know, like in the piriformis, I got my elbow in my own psoas, like getting pressure right directly over them. And my elbow is going into my hips, into my hip flexors. And I'm getting like my own, um, therapeutic release, And at the same time, giving them a ton of pressure, which they love and, and, um, addressing their issues. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, you look at something like modalities, like Thai uh, massage Mm -hmm. and that, and they do a great job of, of, you know, I I think, and I, I don't have that much experience with Thai massage specifically, but I think that one of the principles is basically that like as healthy and therapeutic as it is for the patient or the client it's equally or more so that for the therapist. Yep. So, I mean, what an amazing lifestyle we get to live. If, <laughs> if we can harness that as practitioners, like mm-hmm. that's like, I can't think of a better job and like a a, a better form of wealth because who else has time to do five hours of yoga a day and take care of themselves in that way? But if you learn how to do it in, in your daily living and things that you have to do anyways, like either in your profession, in, in your farming, in your trades, in your uh, therapy practice, whatever, like that's just such a massive benefit and investment like in your future and in your, in yourself. And it just makes you a better practitioner and you can offer so much more to your patients. If I go in and I'm stressed out and I'm tight and I'm holding tension, I'm in pain, the treatment's going to be shit compared to me feeling like I'm at my best, yep. you know, and and being like a grounding force for the people that I'm treating and to be able to use my body in such an effective way. It's a, it's a game changer. And, uh, I'm really looking forward to over time sharing more of like how I've developed those techniques and how they can be used in, in practice and and in, and and in, in daily life, of course.
1: I love that it's an it's an important message, really, because there are still a lot of people um, who have more of an old school mentality. I've never been conservative in. Um, When I'm giving people therapeutic exercise or home care, I've always been a very firm believer in mobility. You know, like the more that you just sit around babying an injury, that's that's not what athletes do. I don't think anyone should do it. And I love that the recommendation now is meat over rice. Like, yes, it just makes so much more sense to me. Mobility is absolutely important. Exercise is absolutely important. And treatment is absolutely important we don't need to be like resting and immobilizing mm. our injuries. We need to make sure that we are getting ourselves back to functioning. So I think that's, it's a really important so message. I got a
0: bunch of things to say here. So I'm going to take this all the way back to you in the hospital. I love how, when you're in the hospital, you stuck to your guns, right? Because they're saying, this is what you got. Go home. I've seen this happen. This happened with my fucking father. He yeah. He went into the hospital with severe abdominal pain. They're like, oh, it's just gas. Go home. Right? And I'm like, I insisted. Yeah. No, this is not. This is something way, way more. We need more testing. He ended up going into emergency abdominal surgery. He had necrotic tissue. They removed like a third, a of, third his, of his, a third, small third of his small intestines. Yeah. Right? And that first doc was yeah. ready to just push him out the door. <laughs> go
1: eat, what did he say? Go eat some probiotic yeah.
0: yogurt and go home. Yeah. That was what he was told. Movement is everything. Same, same idea. My, my uncle, he he had, a, he had a botched back surgery, yeah, and he was told right away, you're never going to walk again, and he, he refused to accept, and so he went and found a physio that was going to come to his house every day, blah, 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 blah. You know, he's, he can move, you know, he's not completely sedentary, but he's not, he, he, I mean, he's making, he's making moves now, so that's, yeah. that's good. That's, that's really good. The last piece I want to say on this whole thing is massage therapists... You need to treat your body like an athlete does, right? An athlete doesn't an athlete doesn't just show up to a game and play. An athlete trains, an athlete practices, an athlete conditions, and that's what allows an athlete to perform and excel, right? No one just shows up and goes to work like that in a physical job. And if you do, you're bound to be tired. You're bound to get physically burnt out. Yeah, you're you're not going to last as long in this profession as you want to be. Treat your body like an athlete. And then those five, six, seven people that you see throughout the day is not going to feel the, yeah, the exactly. way it does now. you know what I mean? And the last thing that I wanted to ask you about is, do you train like Rocky and Rocky Four? <laughs> you know when he's in Russia and he's got no equipment? Ivan Draco's got all the high tech stuff, and this guy's running around in snow, he's chopping wood, he's pulling wheelbarrows because I look at you and I 'm like that's what this guy's going to do as soon as the snow drops <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, uh, well, I definitely love doing stuff outside without a doubt, but I think what's interesting is I hear a lot of people in trades and, and, you know, other like physical jobs. And I got a lot of arborist buddies. Um, and a lot of them come, come to the farm actually, cause I won't get too into this, but like there's a whole other project that we're doing with composting and making use of, um, scrap wood, like building hugel culture beds and all that sort of thing. And we got a firewood operation and everything else. Um, And so like a lot of the work that I do out there, yeah, is super physical, you know, lifting friggin' giant chunks of wood up onto the wood splitter and, and into trenches and everything else and doing all that. But there's no substitute for specific mindful training in a gym. You know what I mean? Like, like a lot of people say, I don't have to work out because my job is physical. Like that's not the same thing. That's fantastic that your job is physical. And yes, you can integrate the two without a doubt, but like going into the gym once or twice a day and very much and mindfully focusing on certain things certain movements certain muscles uh certain uh you know goals of of um exercise you know whatever whatever it is like uh progressive overload or or trying to do whatever you did last week a little bit faster and all that kind of stuff it's like that is different in and of itself and it is very like i said mind, mindful and specific when i'm out there working on the farm and i got the chainsaw or whatever like I got to be, I got to move a little slower, make sure that I'm being conscious of safety and my surroundings and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, but once I've got the form dialed in, you know, like you spend an hour or however long making sure that you're like practicing technique and, and whatever else. And that's just go time, like deadlift, whatever weight you can or try and snatch 15 times then go do burpees and then snatch again and try and do that in 8 minutes instead of 9 minutes hmm. like you can't get that level of of intention and high intensity like in just in your uh work but the work is very complementary because it is generally a little bit slower, a little bit lower intensity, but still, depending on what you're doing, you will get some strength benefits. You will get the blood moving. You can make that those movements rehabilitative, et cetera, et cetera. But like one does not substitute the other. I think both have to exist. Absolutely. I, so yeah, agree. I do both. And I got a barbell and all the equipment stuff in the barn. Plus, I go to another gym locally because I love the social aspect of it and everything else.
1: So. Cool, man. Cool. Well, I, I'm really happy that you, uh, took the time to talk to us on zoom i'm sad we didn't make it to the farm but you know maybe when it's not snowing Mm -hmm. we'll come check out your farm um but yeah thanks for this and anyone who is not uh part of ryan's facebook group but you're interested go join join. we will attach the link to the episode and i hope that uh, you guys don't get too much snow up there Mm
2: Or maybe I hope well, that you do. it's coming do. down now? I don't know if you can see
0: that. Yeah, I can see it. <laughs> right on, man. This has been good. Thanks for hanging out today.
2: Yeah, and uh, I love to chat with you guys some more in, in the future. Whenever uh, you want to do something more, or, uh, you know, like you're, you're talking about that idea with uh, your documentary, like I'm all I'm all for it, man. Right on. So That's thanks, thanks for doing what you do. You got a really cool uh, operation going with your massage therapy media. I haven't seen anything like it. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. I Appreciate you guys.
0: Right on. You guys have been listening to Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. Peace.